Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast. Uh, I'm joined again by Kevin Gallon as we look back on last Saturday's fine win over Middlesbrough at the Riverside Stadium. Now, we were scheduled to do a pod last Thursday, but the boss said that doing it before the transfer window closed was perhaps not the best idea as uh, anything can happen in the next 24 hours, making anything we say out of date. So, in true Sod's Law fashion, nothing happened. We've no one coming or going from Gareth Ainsworth's squad, which, given what we discussed in our last edition, was... Something of a surprise. But, uh, however, since we last spoke, Kev, the team have produced very encouraging performances going down narrowly 2 1 to Southampton in a game they, they really should have won. And then followed up by the win of a borough, of a borough side who, who really look a pale shadow of the team that made the playoffs last season. Um, so, Kev, we'll, we'll go into the window in a bit. But firstly, I think it's perhaps only fair to give some credit to uh, Gareth Ainsworth for getting a tune out of Andre Dizel, who's uh, played pretty well the last few weeks and uh, scored a cracking goal on Saturday. Yeah, uh, unbelievable goal, unbelievable strike uh, from distance. No keeper in the world saving that. Hopefully, he can produce a few more like that um, this season. Because uh, is that his first goal in, or is it? Yeah, yeah. Is that his first yeah. goal. Yeah, so it's. For an attacking sort of midfield player, or a passer, a creator, this is uh, long overdue. So great goal, credit to him and credit for the team for a, a really fine win against Middlesbrough, who are struggling, but that don't matter. You got to, whoever, whatever team you play, and you get a win. You got to get your your pats on the back and a well done. So well done to everyone. It's a great uh, great win, and it's always a great win to go into the you know the international window and two weeks sort of you know you're on a high where if you lose you're like always looking over your shoulder thinking oh could have done this better could have done that better did we pick the right team I didn't play that well just everything will go through your head so to get a win going into the international window is um is a really good thing and uh yeah so 
I think I, I did. I wasn't there. I've just I watched the highlights. Um, Begovic made some really good saves to keep to keep uh, Middlesbrough at bay, and then uh, sort of you know Andre Dizel hits a weldy from distance, and then uh, Colback with his two in two two in two uh, uh, games. Who he himself is not a prolific uh, goal scoring midfield player. So well done to those two midfielders. To, uh, helping out the team because you can't always rely on the strikers to score goals. And if the strikers ain't scoring goals, you need that, uh, players from everywhere else on the pitch to chip in. Uh, perhaps, perhaps as well, I mean, myself in particular, I felt they were a little bit short in, in midfield because I just, I had written off Dazelle really. You know, he hadn't shown to me enough to suggest that he had in his locker. They, they paid a lot of money for him two years ago and he just never, he always seemed to struggle. He looked a little bit kind of, not athletic enough to play in a two-man midfield. But, you know, again, the manager, he's put him almost in front of two defensively-minded midfielders. And perhaps that was the key to getting the best out of him. So, I suppose, you know, working with what you got is as much as management as, as anything else. And, you know, hopefully for him, that will sort of be the start of, you, you know, growing in confidence and becoming the player that, you know, QPR thought they were getting when they signed him for Mitswitch for like, a, you know, I think it's 1.2 million. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and um, especially it's a lot of money now thinking about it because we haven't got uh, much to spend at the moment. But yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I think we talked about it, and I talked about it when we played, I think, Coventry at the end of last season, where we only played two in midfield and we got completely overrun. And I will see, I will see that QPR will be, I think we're better with a three man midfield, and, and no disrespect to anyone, but. If you're playing a two-man midfield, you need real good legs in there for closing down and getting around the pitch. Samfield is a good midfielder, holding midfield, but he's not that type. He's not a, a run-around chase. He's a hold position, read-the-game type player. And and I haven't seen Colback, but he, he, he's an experienced pro. He's, he's played at the highest level and uh, he's, he's got a lot of games under his belt. So most teams now play with three in midfield. So I think you've got to match them up. Um, because you don't want to get dominated, which we did the last two home games of the season. We got dominated in midfield against Coventry and Bristol City. And it looks like Ainsworth has sort of learned from that. We need, you're playing a three-man midfield, you've got to match them up. Because those two games, we got completely dominated possession-wise. And we just couldn't get near those th th those midfields. So, Dazelle, obviously, like you said, he isn't the greatest off the ball and closing down and making tackles strengths are in his passing. And so just moving maybe 10 yards forward up the pitch helps him and helps the team. And I suppose just, just looking, you know, back out the window, I mean, it, I mean, Gareth Ainsworth was reasonably frank about it, sort of saying it was unlikely anyone was going to come in and that was the case, but they are perhaps looking at free agents and players that may be available to sign after the windows closed. But um, I thought they might bring someone in on loan. I think some calls were made, but it does seem that clubs just want a lot of money for loan players now. And from what you know, Gareth was saying in his, in his pre-match ahead of the Borough game last week, that you know perhaps last year some of the loan players came in. There's been a lot of loan players that perhaps when you need all hands to the pump, maybe they weren't as being hands-on to the pump as you'd like really when the team's struggling at the bottom. So I sort of understand why they haven't, gone down that loan market but I mean Leeds on Saturday on Friday sorry came in very late for Ilias Chair I've heard that from 
some people close at Leeds that I spoke to in the week that, you know, they looked at it and Rangers sort of said, well, it's too late now, you know, we can't sign him. And, you know, that's always given me the danger of having like a, you know, 11pm on a Friday night transfer deadline. It's ludicrous, really. I know in Germany where, I know you do a lot of work, that they close the window at 5pm because of David Matt, the evening yeah. match day, which sort of makes sense, really, but... Well, it would have been interesting to see if Leeds made that bid the day before. Because if you're making a bid at 11 p.m., unless you've got someone literally lined up to come in as a replacement, you don't you don't just sort of sell one of your best players. I know the I don't know what the money was, but but then there's a case of Leeds come in. It's like the domino effect. Leeds come in, QPR sell. They've got someone lined up, so they go to I don't know Middlesbrough first, an attacking midfield player at eleven o'clock. We've got this amount of money, we'll bid for him. Do you know what I mean? And then they're saying, "Well, hold on a minute, we ain't got a replacement." And it's all so it's like, what what do you do? Unless it's an outrageous amount of money where you just give it. Well, we can't turn that down. Um, it's, I think it's a bit poor from Leeds, really, just making a bid that late. I mean, they were really serious. They. See, Leeds might have been after someone themselves and that got knocked down, knocked back at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock and they're thinking, well, we need an attacking sort of number 10 left side um, attacking midfielder. Who have we got? And then they'll go to their head of recruitment. Well, he's good. So they'll have a list. There's my number one. Yeah. There's my number two. And there's my number three. Ilya's chair might be number two or number three. You, we don't know. Because their number one said, no, I ain't coming. Or they couldn't uh, do a deal with the club. And it's just a, a snowball effect. And, and it just keep your right to turn that down. And I think as well, I mean, you get asked, I get asked a lot by people like, oh, who arranged your signing? And I'll usually say, well, they don't know, which is usually the case. And that's not a dig at QBR. But as you, as you outlined there, you don't. There's so many dominoes have to fall in the right place. I mean... The Sam Field move happened, I remember it, I was, it was a game at Watford, they beat Watford 2-1, Mark Woodburn's manager, and I think it happened at 10 to 11 that night, the night of, of, you know, on a Monday night it was, and none of us had really heard of Sam Field, and you go, well, who's Sam Field? And I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm betraying any confidence by saying, I don't think Sam Field was top of QPR's list of signing players when they went to the start of the window, but things come up, this player's available, you know, his pedigree of being in another 20 international kind of, okay, and, you know, there's yeah, relationships yeah. between directors of football and chair. It, it happens. So that's sort of where it's Manager will go to head of recruitment and so say, well, I, I, I need this profile of a player. Who have you got? So, in regards to Sam Field, I want a six-foot-one centre midfielder, holding midfield player. Who have you got on the list? And the head of recruitment at any club will go, well, I've got him, him, he might be too expensive. But this, and it all goes on, but there's so many factors off when you're signing a player, it's like people will say, well, why didn't we sign him? Well, maybe that player didn't want to come for one. So you got that. So one, he has to come. He has to want to come, some whatever player. Two, the club have to agree with the other club way, uh, a fee. Now, if that club can't afford it, then that's out the, wall, out the window. Then if all, you go past all that, then the club and the player have to, whatever, agree on wages. So there's so many factors that um, and permutations of signing a player. It's not just I oh, was we'll just sign him. Is oh, hold on, if that was the case, we just everyone would just go and try and sign Halland because he's the best goal scorer. 
yeah, we've got no money. Okay, well, we can't get it. But there's so many uh, different factors in signing a, a player. And when it comes down to the last hours of um, deadline day, you know what I mean? Then it's a panic. And that looks to me, Leeds have had a panic up. And so, and, and tried, probably thinking we'll, we'll try it with QPR. Knowing QPR at the moment are a little bit, you know, not flush, flush with cash and they tried it on. And um, and it's credit to Chair as well that, you know, he's, he's I think he's someone he probably deserves a move. If you take it off, you know, you keep your fans hat off and looking at it as a as a kind of, you know, pragmatically, he he, you know, he's been a good servant to keep your perhaps deserves a, a a move to a bigger club. And but I mean, as a professional, I think he's been outstanding. His attitude, he he got on with it, played very well against Middlesbrough on Saturday. He was involved in the build up to a couple of the goals. He's you know he's and I think he will get his move eventually because. I mean, I know you look at a lot of players in, in your role as a scout. Would that go into your thinking as well? We, he hasn't had a move, but how he reacts in the next game is that the yeah, no, Does that all factor into progress? Factors when you're watching players is attitude and work rate, and you don't want to see players waving their arms when they lose the ball or someone don't pass the ball to them. And to be fair to Elias Chair, he's he's got really good work rate. Um, he looks fit. He tries and. You know, fair play to him. He's whether or not he wanted that move to Leeds or not, we don't know. Um, he he performed on the Saturday and performed well, like you said. Um, but he he might not even want to go to Leeds. He might be. Mm. There's always so many things behind the scenes with agents and stuff. And I don't know how long has he got left on his contract. Has he got two years. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be very surprised. Phyllis chairs at QPR next season because they're either going to have to sell him with a year because that's when you, the prices keep coming down. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When you've got a year left in your contract, the, the price of the player comes down because no one wants their good players or star players going into the last year of their contracts. So they're even going to have to offer him a new contract like they did with Lyndon Dykes or they're going to have to sell him in January or the end mm. of the season, because at the end of the day, you need that money to then go and reinvest yeah. in the squads. With the window, I think, Kev, obviously, I mean, when you were a player, I guess, I mean, it used to be there wasn't really a transfer window, there was one in March, wasn't there? But I mean, as I'm you... not that old, Ian. No, but like, was the transfer window I always when I first started? It was like the end of March, it was the transfer window, and then, um, and then it was. Well, it was about the mid-March or end of March, and then that was no yeah. more signings. You could do signings throughout the whole season until, um, yeah, is it end of March? Yeah, it was. It was sort of around, sort of, yeah, mid-end of March, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I think six weeks to go to the end of the season, there was like, that was it, no more signings. It actually reminds me when Ray Harford was manager and uh, we were sort of struggling a bit. And on transfer deadline day, he signed Vinnie Jones, Ian Dowie, Neil Ruddock, <laughs> which didn't really work out, but it was a good laugh. <laughs> didn't really work you stayed up anyway, but we had some good nights out. Um, yeah, but you know, the, the transfer window now is obviously we know it's uh, August and it finishes in August and then, then finishes in January, so 
it is. There's always like rumours, and if someone's on real form, there's people looking, and it can be very disruptive um, for the team. And I'm, I'm sure it's very disruptive for not only the manager but the fans as well, because you don't want to see your best players leaving your football club, mm. and then you can't replace them, or you do replace them, and they're not as of the quality of the ones that have left. So it's a yeah. difficult one. Um, I always like to feel that football clubs should do their transfer business like May, June and July, get them embedded in for in pre-season, get them in, get them into the philosophy of what the manager and the club is all about. But there was all the odd, the odd time because you need to make signings maybe at the, at deadline, at, on the last week because you might have an injuries that happened the week before and the game before and, Oh, my centre half's out for a season now. I need another centre half. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's a difficult one. Yeah. But I don't really. I know we didn't sign anyone, and and maybe we haven't got the funds to sign anyone. And maybe they were thinking, well, Ilya's chair might go, but it was too late, and we might have some funds there to go and bring other players in different positions. But obviously, it wasn't. It didn't happen because it was eleven o'clock at night on a Friday night. It was taking a mick. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess like when football's becoming, you know, largely due to the transfer window and also the financial fair play, it's become almost like as much an accounting exercise as a recruitment exercise because you know this window of like you've got three years, you can lose a certain amount of money over a three-year period, and once you're in that last year of the three years, which is what QPR are in at the moment, I understand. Yeah. They're in the final year of the three years, what they can lose. So potentially next year they'll have more money to spend because it's, it's the start of a new, you know, and you haven't looked at what's happened to Derby and Reading and Sheffield Wednesday and all these clubs being top points and that. It's almost become a, a, you know, a skill in sort of making the accounts stand up so you don't lose points. And then, I mean, it's even, the, and this is even the Premier League as well. You've got Premier League clubs sort of, you know, sort of hedging a little bit and sort of saying, well, you know, I know that, well, Brentford, for example, Thomas Frank last week was was moaning in his press conference that, you know, are all clubs following FFP because they're getting blown. You know, he was saying they were sort of looking at, he was referring to Brennan Johnson and Chelsea Tottenham sort of blew him out of the water in what they could offer him and in terms of ways and stuff like that. But it, it's almost becoming, because of the transfer window and this desire to spend loads of money in January and, and in August that, teams are now sort of having to reassess how they do things and I, I know obviously you work for Palace you know and looking at markets in Germany and stuff like that I mean how much of that comes down to with what you have to do in how you look at a player because obviously Haaland's not going to sign for Palace is he because they can't afford but you have to sort of know it's got to sort of know the level because we're not it's like QPR we're not going to go and sign someone from Liverpool. So you're not going to go so players from Bayern Munich. It's, it's not really going to happen. So you've got to find the level and the and the wages and speak to the people that work at the club at, you know, how much money we got to spend, what's our sort of limit on certain positions? Will we go above a certain wage or will they go a certain transfer for a right backs, for instance, or, you know, we'll spend more on a centre forward than we'll sign, then we'll sign on a left back. So I sort of just... When we go out there, you got to sort of talk. You just, you, you, I know, I know what the sort of wage, not the wage, the, the transfer fee is, transfer fee is, and then 
then you sort of go back to the head of recruitment or the director of football and you tell him and then he'll say, yeah, he's a bit out of our range and you go, okay, I'll go on, you go on to the next one. So it's, it's, it's more just monitoring everything. And that's what the, the scouts at QPR, hopefully it should be doing is you monitor everything and then you speak to the agents as well. And that's not what I do, but the people who are director of football will speak to the agents and see what the lad is like and maybe speak to, I'm sure it happens, but, you know, speak to the agent, speak to the lad anyway and get a feel for what his attitude is like and does he want to come, What's his what, what, what his wage demands are and stuff like that. So it's like, so, you know, recruitment is, I think, probably is the most important part of a football of a football club. If you get your recruitment right, you're going to do your right. And I sort of go back to when I played for QPR and uh, that season when we got promoted in 2003, 2004. And the years prior to that, a few years prior to that, the recruitment was really good. Uh, you know, so that, this is a prime example. We sell Richard Langley to Cardiff. And with the money with that, we get in Ainsworth, Rowlands and Kevin McLeod. That's 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 good. That's good recruitment, mm. and that gave us the, the, a big, a better push to get promoted, which we did. Mm. So that's like that's real good recruitment. You sell one player and you get three in, and well, Martin Rowlands was an you know an excellent signing. He was a, you know a mainstay QPR for seven, eight years after that, maybe more. Yeah, yeah great player. Yeah. Right midfield, midfield, centre mid. And the good thing about them, those lads, they had real good attitudes. Mm. Martin Rowland was a winner. Gareth was a winner. Kevin McLeod was, he was, and he was a little bit up and down, but he had ability. And if Martin Rowland was playing on the left and Gareth was playing on the right, or one of them get, got injured, Rowley would go to the right and Kevin McLeod would then come on on the left. So it was, that, that's, that's, that's good recruitment. How much as well, um, I mean, Gareth Hainsworth, constantly saying, you know, he's obviously bought Cook and Colback, Cook and Jack Colback as a senior, almost to run the dressing room. Yeah. How important, I mean, obviously, you, every manager is going to say, I want good eggs, I want good characters. But that is almost better not to sign someone you think maybe is a great player but could upset the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, that, that fine balance is, you know. Yeah, balance. You can have, you can have one maybe. I mean, I'm going back on like QPR again. I mean, Tarat wasn't a great egg, was he? But he was a match winner. Mm. And supposedly, I mean, you probably heard the story. We've all heard the story. Warnock has gone to Sean Derry, Clint Hill, Paddy Kenny and the senior pros. He said, look, I know he ain't going to track back. I know he's going to raise, throw his arms in the, in the, in the air, but he can get us promoted. Help! You've got to help me here. He can get us promoted. He's that good. Mm. And in the end, he managed it so well. He did. But I bet he was. You can't. You can't have too many of them in your in your team. You mm. can have one, and then you can manage him. Because then, at the end, the manager is just going to be concerned about a couple of those players, and then and forgetting about the rest of them. But regarding Cook and Colback, they're senior pros. They've been played in a Premiership. They've had promotions. You don't want the manager in my, one thing you don't, and every good manager I played under, 
never rarely came into the players' changing rooms. The manager wanted to see you, bring you into the office. Or he might poke his head into the changing room and say, Kevin, I'll have a, can, can you see me? But they never, would never hang around the changing rooms. No manager does that. No, Well, no good manager does that. They just mm. let the changing room get on with it. And the players don't want the manager in there. Because that's where everyone's having banter and messing about. And you just don't want the you don't want your boss in there, do you? I don't think anyone wants their boss hanging around them. Yeah. And I think as well, like, I mean, again, they're having to bring these young kids in, like like Coley's coming in as an 18-year-old, and he's almost bypassed the, the 21 team straight into the first team. That's a, a massive jump for a for a young player. But those formative years of being around kind of good senior pros, I mean, that, that sort of priceless for him, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not only being around them, but obviously training, training with them is training with like this, your senior pros. You learn so much and he'll be, I'm sure, those senior pros like Begovic. I mean, you talk about Colback and Cook, but you've got Begovic there as well, who's seen it and done it and played at some big football clubs. They'll be putting their, well, they should be putting their arm around them and giving them advice. I was very lucky when I was coming through. You had Ray Wilkins, you had uh, Alan McDonald, Ian Holloway, Les Ferdinand there. We, you know, you could go to for advice and they would give advice, or you just watch what they did and watch how they trained and, and how they conducted themselves. So it's very important for young lads to have good older pros to look up to and to learn from. Mm. So important. And just in terms of back when you were playing, do you, do you have any sort of memories of, you know, transfer deadline sort of moves? Not not necessarily you, but other players that look like going to happen didn't happen, and you know, how players get around it. I mean, what's it like? What's transfer deadline like for players? I mean, they're like everyone else checking phones, checking Sky. Is it? Is yeah, it, I mean, everyone. Yeah, everyone's. I love everyone. They love Sky Sports on, and they'll all be looking and in the morning before at breakfast and afternoon at lunch. Oh, he's gone here, and everyone's gossiping it's it's very similar to what the fans are doing like fans will be down the pub watching it oh he's gone here oh he's it's, there's no difference it's just a different environment they're in a, a football club and they're all looking oh he's gone here that, that, that that's a good move but then it, like a go it's a snowball effect if someone wanted to move i remember sort of danny shit who was on the verge of a move and he got it in the end and he was going here and he was going to go there and, and end up he went somewhere else but it's like, you know, a club would be saying, just say, for instance, Ian, we're going to sign you, but we have to, you're a centre-back, and we have to, we have to let centre-back go. And then you come out in from training and you see that team who just said, we're going to sign you, oh, they've just sold their centre-back. And now you're thinking, I think I'm go I could be going here. And it's all that, like gossip and, and it's all in your head and checking your phones and ringing agents. But that's if you're like, want to leave or the club want you to leave as in you're going to get there's going to be a big offer and they're not going to stand in your way but if you've got like two or three years in, in your contract and you're quite settled you're just like you're watching it and you're looking at it and seeing if it's any good and you're enjoying it but if you're settled and you want to stay you don't really get involved in it yeah when you had that first season when you sort of broke in the QPR first team I mean if you're playing in the era now you could probably be valued at like I've been, doing that. I've been doing that on training pitch. <laughs> but um, sorry, Gaffer, I just got a phone call from me. <laughs> <laughs> but did, did you ever have any moves that sort of like 
you know, rumours and agents and sort of this might happen, that might happen, and nothing ever happened? There were, there was a lot of rumours, but I didn't have an agent, so there was a lot of rumours as in paper talk and stuff, but I was sort of so happy at QPR. Mm. We were like playing well, we had a good team. I was like thinking, I remember like in the back page of the Sun and the Mirror, like Ferg's uh, Man United, five million. And I was like thinking, well, I don't really want to go. I'm happy here. So mm. you, you can you hear all the rumours and you just, I didn't have an agent. I was happy at QPR. We were doing well. We had a good team. So it was, it, it would be a lot different now because now kids have got agents at 15, 16 and I would probably be the same and they'd be, they can create moves. They Agents can create moves anyway in the head. Some agents, there's some good agents and there's some bad agents, just like every walk of life. And, they, and they're interested in that. Not necessarily the player's uh, football career. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But... Um... Okay, then well, thanks a lot, Kev. I just um I went down then we talked about the young players. Um I, I took my kids down to watch the uh, the development team on on Monday. As the the summer holidays ground to a halt finally and they went back to school. So Monday. Yeah. It's good, it's good. I've I've seen happy the days, happy yeah, days are back in school. Days, happy days, yeah. Um it was good. They won won two 0 beat Fleetwood, and I've seen them a couple of times this season and uh, you know, yeah, I recommend I recommend yeah, I kind of recommend people go down to Hamwell and watch them when they're playing down there. It's a nice little evening. They play Monday nights. It's a nice little ground. You can get, you know, beer and chips and kids can run around. It, it, it's good. And, you know, yeah. I know that there's been, it's been some thin gruel coming out of the uh, the, the sort of academy teams in, in recent years. But there's a couple of one or two that have, are playing up a level, which um, there's one lad, Kieran Petri, who I know they got come through at Arsenal, I think. And, you know, he, he scored in the Youth Cup win over... Tottenham last year, and there's Rafferty Pedder and Stephen Baller. So there's some good young players coming through. But just, Kev, just, just to touch on before we go, like, you know, I know it's you reserve team football. You kind of take it, you know, the whole idea is to get players into the first team. And, yeah. um, I mean, but for those lads coming through, it, it's quite, I imagine it's quite a big thing, isn't it? You know, the team's doing well there, but the Burnley have moved their match against QPR to Turf Moor on Saturday because. There's no obviously no 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 fixtures, so to get people in the watch is that. I mean, it's yeah. kind of mildly encouraging seeing players coming through. Yeah, but regarding Burnley doing that, that's excellent for not only the Burnley team but the QPR team. If I was playing for that, if I was a young lad and Burnley did that, I might think I'm playing at a main ground. There's going to come in to be a crowd there. You're like really excited. You'd be like, I'm going to try my. You always try your best, but you get that a little bit more extra excitement. So that's very good, and like you said, you know, you know when I, it was the football combination when I played, and we used to sometimes we play at the ground, but then sometimes we played at Haraburra, and there was always QPR fans, the hardcore fans would come down and watch, and it's always always good to to have fans there, and uh, and you're sort of in the shop window. The higher you play, and if you play well, the higher the higher the level, you're in the shop window. There's always scouts going to be there. Manager's going to be there, mm. and I was just say to every young player, <laughs> whatever game you play in or training, you're always being watched, you're always being scouted. And I'd sort of say to some kids, say to me, Oh, can you get me a trial 
you know when someone will say, can you get me a trial at this club or that club? I say, you're on trial every game. Even like in the first team, you're on trial. If you play poorly, you're out of the team. Yeah. If you play really well, you might get a move to like a big, a real like premiership team. So you're always on trial. Mm. And if you're like an England international, you're on trial to keep your place in the England squad. It's just, it's just constant. Everyone's watching. Everyone's talking. Everyone's saying, oh, he's a good lad. He's a good player. He's got a good attitude. Because when they will go to sign someone, they'll ring up previous managers. What's he like? What's he like training? What's he like in the dressing room? Yeah, good lad. Yeah, take him. That's that's how football was, a small world. Yeah. yeah. And I think we, we, we're deserves on that. The people I always find are good to talk to, uh, you know, there are the diehards who go to all the reserve games, watch them regularly and, you know, and they'll tell you, no, no, there's no one really. But, you know, the two lads I spoke to on on um, on Monday were both saying, yeah, these, there's a couple in there. We've got a chance that, you know, Best I've seen for about sort of six, seven years. There might be a couple here that you know you might. You know, I think I think the line the best I've seen since the SA chair times when they were there. So that's you know you I mean you don't want to put these kids under pressure and there's a lot of kind of expectation and you know but it's it's sort of it's where QPR need to be you know need to be getting these kids coming through and making. They need to, yes with this financial like you said about the fair financial fair play for everyone. You need you, you need your. Um, your academy to produce players, especially you're paying money, a lot of money. I mean, QPR mm. spent a lot of money on their academy, but also on the training yeah. grounds. So they need mm. to produce. And uh, and there is something in if you sell someone that's homegrown, it gives you a lot of leeway in the financial fair play. And that's, mm. I think, one of the reasons why the Nottingham Forest sold Brennan Johnson. Right. Then they can go out and spend treble of what they... So if they sell them for 40, you can spend then 100. There's something in it. I don't... Next week, I'll, I'll ask someone properly to explain it to me. But there is something, if you sell a homegrown player, you then can spend more money and you've got more leeway with financial fair play. We should perhaps explain why Chelsea are just selling all their young players. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Something that, that's a little job for you, Ian, during the week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks a lot, Kev. And um, thanks for joining us all again. And uh, sorry for the delay in getting out. But um, we'll hopefully see you again next week. And um, as I say, like, subscribe, leave some messages on YouTube. Try and make them nice if you can. But if you're not happy, then there's not much you can do about it. But uh, enjoy. We'll speak to you soon. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.